Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. We're glad to have you uh, with us uh, today. It's a, it's a good day to sit around the table together. Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, we encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Sitting around the table are our usual uh, hosts uh, with us, the pastors here at MMBC, Tim Michelangeli, Scott Slater, Matt Bates, and my name is Spencer Snow. Okay, we uh, began a series going through um, the Ten Commandments of progressive Christianity, and Pastor Scott is our resident expert on progressive Christianity. Um, so we're going to, Scott, where are we going this week? So... To recap what we've already done, the, we've done the first three commandments. Number one, Jesus as a model for living more than an object for worship. Number two, affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. Number three, the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. And then today, we're looking at commandment number four, which is incur... Oh, that's actually not... That's the next one. Number four is gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, I guess, just clarify what that means, like we found on some of these other ones that you kind of have to dig a little bit to really get at the heart of what this is. But what I think the heart of this is, is that um, you shouldn't be so concerned about your theology as you should be concerned about the way that you treat people. That That's generally what that's mm-hmm. referring to. So I guess my first question, though, is before we try to, dissect this and look at it from a biblical perspective. Do, we've Some of these other ones have had what we'd say are half-truths in them. Mm-hmm. What would be the half-truth in this, you think? Is there any truth to this statement? Are either of these mutually exclusive? Like you can't have gracious behavior and right belief? I think that's <laughs> a big that's a big thing to you consider know? is... It's uh, it's almost like a false dichotomy is set up by this question. Yeah. That you can't have gracious behavior and right belief, right? Yeah. I mean, you guys see anything else there? It's also <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> there's the assumption that you can have gracious ha- behavior without right belief, mm-hmm. um, without mm-hmm. real. F- and I'm not talking mm-hmm. about just simply knowing something, knowing about something, but actually believing it. Mm-hmm. So there's an assumption about the connection between behavior and one's beliefs mm-hmm. that they're not necessarily that the there's not necessarily a cause and effect relationship either way, um, because I think we would say at least I that our belief is going to fuel our behavior and, mm-hmm. and affect how we behave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. What, that's why what you believe does matter, mm-hmm. um, because it is going to affect how you behave. But it, here, there seems to be almost this uh, dichotomy that those are not—that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. That you can you can behave one way, and that's disconnected from what you actually think. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I think what you just said, Spencer, is um, is it shows some of the irony in this statement, because this statement itself is a belief. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, and w- the same problem that uh, that these other commandments have of being very selectively applied is also applied to this. Um, I think one of the difficult things about this is when you describe 
well, define, ask somebody to define for me what is gracious behavior? Mm. What is included in that? Mm. Does that mean you never tell anybody that they're wrong? Um, where, where do you draw the line for this? Mm-hmm. Because this statement is telling you that you're wrong to do one thing over another. Mm. Um, I think the, the difficult thing about this uh, commandment is that I can actually understand why people, uh, Christians that have gone through a deconversion process and no longer profess to be a Christian, I can understand why they would think this, and it would be very easy to latch on to, because as you listen to their stories, a a lot of them come out of um, what we would kind of call fundamentalist backgrounds, where they were part of a church that held up very, um, what you would call legalistic rules over grace, like whereas we would want to emphasize grace and the forgiveness of sins, a lot of them come from backgrounds that held up legalistic standards, whether they were dress standards or like the music you're allowed to listen to or movies or whatever else that might be. And so I could see how if they're coming out of a uh, context that is very um, just antagonistic towards the world, and that's all they ever heard, and that's all they can ever identify Christianity with, those are the beliefs that they're talking about. I don't know. What do you guys think? Have you heard those stories or seen people come out of the context like that? Yeah, but I think the problem is this this statement is very legalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just <clears throat> trading one legalistic lifestyle for another because mm-hmm. this statement is all about what I do. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to make me right with mm-hmm. God or with people is what I do instead of right belief. Mm-hmm. Not what I believe, it's, it's how I act and what mm-hmm. I do. And so every day I have to wake up and be gracious in order to be correct to this religion. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to be gracious every day. Yeah. I mean, even as a Christian, where we hopefully believe the right thing and are supposed to be gracious people, mm-hmm. struggle. You know, still struggling with that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're just they're just changing one form of legalism and mm-hmm. taking another. I mean, they haven't mm-hmm. been freed from anything. <laughs> yeah. Then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's not just a matter of that. I have to be a gracious person in order to be a good person now. It's that the again. It's what gracious behavior is is not defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what makes it confusing. I mean, that's what makes legalism confusing a lot. So, like a big thing right now is uh, um, Joshua Harris, who's deconstructed, mm-hmm. and he wrote that book, right? I kissed dating goodbye. Well, that was back when I was a kid and stuff. And so there were these questions of, you know, when you live a legalistic lifestyle, you start asking questions like this, you know, like how far is too far. What exactly can I do? Mm-hmm. How, you know, when it comes to dating, what yeah. are we allowed to do? Can I hold hands? Can we hug? Can we kiss? Yeah. What else can we do? What is sex? What, what equals that, right? You start asking all these questions, which would be the exact same thing here, what you're saying. What is gracious behavior? Mm-hmm. You know, how gracious are you talking about? You know, what, what's the different levels of it? What exactly is, is being great? You mm-hmm. know, there's just all these things that now I'm yeah. searching for mm-hmm. that are hard to answer. Mm-hmm. Too many gray areas, too many gray lines. Mm-hmm. But when I'm living by the law, I can't have gray lines. I've got to have black and white. It's got to be cut and dry or else I'm in trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what to do. And what ends up happening for them, because it is a perpetual gray area, is that the gracious, if you want to think of the gracious behavior as like the standard of morality, it continuously moves because whether or not you're living up to this is completely dependent, not on what you do but on people's reaction to what you do. Mm -hmm. And so if the things that you say or the things that you do or the stances that you take offer some kind of offense to people over whatever that might Mm -hmm. be, 
that is no longer gracious behavior. Mm. And you then have to move the line somewhere else. But then they're not being gracious to me. And so they need to move their line. <laughs> yeah, it's selective. It's, yeah. it's who should we be gracious to, yeah. right? Because I'm assuming, because we've seen some of those, um, I think you've shown us some of those videos of people who are evangelizing progressive Christianity. Yeah. And the ironic thing is, is like those videos are kind of offensive to us who are rooted in historical Orthodox Christianity. Um, even the tone is is... It feels condescending, <clears throat> but I'm assuming that that would be because, at least from this perspective, that would be our problem. It's not because they're they're being ungracious at that moment. It's, it's be gracious to the right kind of people, yeah, and to historic Orthodox Christianity that those rules really don't apply because we're the mean people yeah. or something. Yeah, um, yeah, that's where it's selectively applied, mm-hmm, right? It's mm-hmm. just that. Um, you're not required to be gracious to everybody. And right. I, that's one of the most ironic things about this is that um, some, if you like go and you watch their videos on Instagram or see their posts or whatever, a lot of times progressive Christians can seem like some of the most angry, mm. um, bitter people in the world um, just based on the way that they act and they talk. Um, but they're not seen as that by the rest of the progressive Christian movement because they are the champions for progression right it's and for ir- the next... what, what's ironic is that because they're championing the right beliefs yeah that's the ironic thing about this is mm-hmm. because the people that they're okay with with their behavior is because of the beliefs they hold mm-hmm. about certain moral issues or about the there's almost there's also this this holiness about being uncertain Mm-hmm. That is a that is a holy thing now, mm-hmm. as if certainty is arrogance. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that will come up. Yeah, we haven't got yeah. to that yet. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it'll come up. Sorry, sorry Scott. No, makes sense. Stop yeah. it! <laughs> Stop going too fast. Stop! Stop! <laughs> so, yeah. So they might not have defined what gracious behavior is, but I think they have said what is not gracious uh, in the second and third commandment, mm-hmm. because basically they're saying. Uh, you can't remind people of their brokenness because that would be not gracious of you. And you also can't judge people for the things that they've done because mm-hmm. that would be ungracious. Yeah. So they, they haven't, they haven't yeah. defined what gracious <laughs> behavior is, but yet they've, they've confined it by telling you what ungracious behavior is. Yeah, right. that's a good point. Yeah, because yeah, they're going to keep doing that. I mean, yeah. If you give somebody an answer to their question that's ungracious... Unkind. The ironic like, thing is, is in order to have grace, you have to show grace to people who don't deserve it or who differ from you. Sure, yeah. And this—that's where the word "gracious" is even really that's what it's up. What, yeah. what it's actually yeah. about. It sounds like, and maybe they, I'm sure they would disagree with this, but it sounds like I just tell other people who agree with me that we're all okay. Mm-hmm. And if you don't agree with me, that's because. Yeah, it's a universal. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That in, uh, did you talk about Richard Rohr? Did we talk about him yeah, in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he came out recently. He's come out with a, a new book, and he has redefined Christ hmm. and what Christ is. And he says the problem the problem that we have done uh, in historical Christianity is we have labeled Jesus as Christ, and that's how he starts. He says we call him Jesus Christ. That's not his name. His last name's not Christ. He's kind of Christ, and his definition of Christ is is all things are Christ. 
And he said, actually, now we have just been finally given the word for where Christ started. Finally, now in our age, and it's called Big Bang. When Big Bang happened is when Christ happened. And Christ is in all. Christ is all. Christ is in creation. And so you have a Francinian monk who... It's kind of pantheistic. <laughs> yeah, know. He's, he's universalistic, but now yeah. he's also pantheistic. He, he believes God is in all. And so that's why you're kind to everybody. You're gracious. Mm. Graciousness is more important than right belief because it don't matter if they're Hindu, it doesn't matter anything. Mm -hmm. Are they kind to people? Because that's where Christ is. Christ is in people mm -hmm. and you've got to be kind. Mm. And so that's his new thing and that's what mm. people are attached to because you can live however you want, you can do however you want, just be kind to people, yeah. except for people who are saying you can't do whatever you want. <laughs> I, d uh, I disagree with you. Yeah, <laughs> who yeah, have yeah, rules? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but he's one of the leaders, I and mean, that's that's in his newest in his newest book. I mean, that's that's what he is saying, and yeah. and uh, that's he's kind of considered one of the grandfathers yeah. of progressive Christianity. Yeah. He's had a lot of impact. It's the the podcast I was listening to called it the New Emergent Church. I mean, if people know mm. what the Emergent Church was, yeah. the Emergent Church kind of died and went away, and we hadn't heard from it, and it's been reincarnated you could say yeah, yeah. in this in deconstruction yeah. and really all it is is Gnosticism right these they're all just not it's all Gnosticism is what they're secret saying knowledge. Yeah, secret, yeah, knowledge, secret yeah. knowledge and yeah. he has been given his secret knowledge yeah. that Christ is the big bang right, yeah. right? right. Um, and so now is, is Richard Rohr still like a is he a Catholic you were saying yeah is in, he still? This, in this speech I guess he'd call it a speech I mean he said my father Francis would agree okay. with what I'm saying, okay. and he calls himself a Francinian monk. So, so I mean, he's still in good standing in I the Catholic Church, don't know I guess. How after or this? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. Okay. No, I'm not sure. Just curious. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. About that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know a lot of people follow him. Yeah. One of the things that progressive Christians will point out, they'll use examples from Scripture to show how, like this, like they'll. I obviously we don't agree with this, but they'll show. That this principle is very clearly portrayed in Jesus' interactions with specifically the Pharisees. That the Pharisees are constantly painted by Jesus as people who their theology and their, their surety about their right beliefs led them to treat people in very bad ways. Um, what do we, like, is, there, is, that the only, is that how you're supposed to see those stories of Jesus interacting with the Pharisees? Is that the right conclusion? Is that the Pharisees, the problem with the Pharisees is the fact that they cared too much about theology? I mean, I've heard this even here in this church from people. Jesus ate with sinners. Look at, we are to be with sinners and almost to okay a certain lifestyle that you know is not right. That is not accurate to what Christians should be living. And no, it's, I mean, it's a misunderstanding. It wasn't necessarily that, it wasn't theology that made them bad. It could have been bad theology. It could have been something they were misunderstanding. But um, so take someone who's legalistic, for instance. Sure. And they're living their life legalistic. They might actually know the Bible pretty well to know the law, to know the truths of it, mm -hmm. to know uh, about the atonement, to know about this stuff. But what the problem is, is they're applying it wrong then to their life. And there's a misunderstanding there. There's some sort of disconnect of what grace really is. And so now all of a sudden they're trying to earn it almost. They're trying to earn this salvation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happened with the with the Pharisees, right? They had this theology, this they had the law, but then they started to add tradition stuff to it and made it more and more and more and more. And then it became a very legalistic way to live. It wasn't about God's hesitant, steadfast love with people. It was about we have to 
do this to please God, who then will be pleased with us. Yeah. And that was the problem, right? So there was this misunderstanding. They had a bad, they had a bad theology. But he wasn't saying, just throw all theology out the door. Mm-hmm. He wasn't saying that. Jesus actually said, I came to fulfill all this law, <clears throat> all the theology. Right. I am it. I'm, I'm it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just don't care about that passage. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Rejected by his own. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, I think what you you that's said what, this. Sorry, that, that's what I would say. The point of the Pharisees is uh-huh. is that they rejected Christ, like of all of those examples, to say it in a very simple way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also interesting too. The whole eat with sinners and stuff. Every sinner Jesus came in contact with, all of a sudden received his grace and started to live a life opposite <laughs> of sin. Yeah. The yeah. prostitute who was with yeah. Jesus was no longer a prostitute. He said, "Go and sin no more." Yeah, go and right. sin no more. Yeah. Right, and so we see right. these things happening. Mm-hmm. And, but yet we don't talk about that. It's like, no, it's okay for us to do this and hang out with sure. these people. Yeah. 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 I think, Matt, you said this earlier, and Tim, you just you reiterated it, that the problem with the Pharisees is not that they cared too much about theology. It's that their theology was wrong. Mm-hmm. The, their, their problem was not that they cared too much about having the right belief. It's that they right. didn't have the right belief. <clears throat> right. And right. so much of what Jesus was doing was correcting yeah. Yeah. the wrong belief. And so it's almost like what progressive Christians are doing is trying to throw the baby out with the Mm bathwater and saying, well, caring too much about theology can lead to this. Therefore, you shouldn't care about theology. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's the wrong conclusion. That's the other far extreme Mm -hmm. that we have to try to avoid. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. What were you looking at? No, I just looking here um, when Jesus was with the crowds um, in John chapter six. Um, Jesus is speaking about his body and his blood. And then he says, they say to Jesus, they say, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So (laughs) Jesus says, if you want to know what this is all about, it's about knowing me and believing in me. Mm And their problem was they didn't believe in him. The, whether or not progressive Christianity or anybody likes it, the, 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 the question that you have to answer to get into heaven is a theological one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At its core, who do you say I am? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a theological question, yeah. mm-hmm. and you can't escape it. And, it and, and now we trust, because the scriptures teach that if you God creates the faith that... that produces faith in Christ, it automatically, after that, justifies us freely. It starts to produce right behavior, sanctifying us, changing us, Christ now in us. So um, I think, again, like we talked about how they selectively apply this principle, they also selectively read the Bible, which shows us that um, there's a lot of passages of Scripture that they're going to have to really skip over in order, because they've got a pre-lens. They're, they're going mm-hmm. through the Bible with. So I don't know how they would go with this specific thing where Jesus is specifically asked, what are the works you want me to do? Believe in me. Mm-hmm. It, in that talk that Richard Ward had, had, I didn't listen to all of it, but he rarely used Scripture for anything. But the one time that he used Scripture very specifically was with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he said, it's funny that we think somebody ate an apple and God actually cared. And that actually had an impact on anything. So what is he doing? <laughs> but I mean, what is yeah, he? What no, is he doing? That's he's, very clever. <laughs> he's removing theology. Yes. He's removing a main theological right. tenet of yeah. the Christian faith of sin. Right. right. And he's getting rid of it. You think that matters? That doesn't matter. I mean, he just right. got it away. So now, and him making that statement, 
all sin is gone. I mean, it, right. it, it doesn't that doesn't matter anymore. Right. And so, right. Um, that's, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a big deal, it right? It becomes absurd. Yeah. 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 And he made it sound absurd, and everybody laughed. Yeah. You know, when he said it, they were all laughing. You could right. hear them all in the background. Like, right. <laughs> I know they think that that would even matter. So, you know, like yeah. if that I mean, was real. The sad thing is, is like through that. You just hear the voice of the serpent. Mm-hmm. This isn't a big deal. Yeah. All along, God, why would God care if you ate an apple? Yeah. All He's worried about is that you're going to become like Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you're going to. I mean, nice it's like time. you hear yeah. the same echo from Eden through all of these voices quietly, but echoing through that. Yeah. Um, has God really said? Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we stop talking about this particular uh, commandment, I do think it's. There's, a, there's an opportunity for a conversation here that I think is important to talk about. Um, you know, kind of how I had said earlier that it's, it's almost understandable how some people would very uh, quickly mm-hmm. grab onto this mm-hmm. because of the context that they've come out of. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen and heard of churches that are very legalistic about things that you shouldn't be legalistic about. Mm-hmm. But here we are as pastors, and we recognize that the time is going to come when we, if we're going to be faithful to the Word of God, we're going to have to tell somebody that they are wrong about mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. that they are mistaken about something, whether that is a theological belief that they have that they need to change or a way that they are living. That's really what this comes down to, mm-hmm. is the way that people yeah. are living that they need to repent of. That's mm-hmm. part of our our calling is to proclaim the gospel, mm-hmm. which includes repent of mm-hmm. your sins. How do we, I mean, as pastors, but also... Uh, people in our church listening to this that are Christians, they have children that are not following the Lord. They have they work with people that are not following the Lord. How can we try to not lead people to want to believe this, I guess is what I'm saying. Obviously, we're never going to be able to say repent in a way that just makes it like landing on a soft pillow. Like There's always going to be a little bit of bite to it. Mm-hmm. But are there things that we can do? Is, is there practices that we can have that maybe soften the blow. You get what I'm trying to say here to that? Yeah. I think the f- most important thing is everything we say and do needs to be backed up scripturally. So if we're going to lay out things like, as believers, we don't live this way, whatever it is, you have to prove that. You have to be able to show that in a good exegetical way mm-hmm. scripturally um, to show that to be true. You know, So whatever whatever that is, you know, like with the Pharisees, they took the law, but they expanded it greatly where it wasn't the the word of God that they were using. It was the, the rabbi's law that they had added to it yeah. with everything. So we want to be people of God's word. So that's what we fall to. You know, if that's what we say, this is the book we believe, this is the book we teach, this is the book we want to live by, then we need to be able to, to truly back it up. And so when you're talking to somebody, you know, who's living a certain way that is sinful, we have to be very clear and concise to, to show them what it says. But at the same time, we don't take this commandment here and push it away. We do it in a very gracious way, right? A loving way, but also understanding Jesus himself, when he would talk to the crowds, they would leave. And when they left, I remember what he said after the Sermon on the Mount. They basically, they're just here for food. Mm-hmm. They've been here for food. We've been feeding them, and now they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus was rejected over and over again, and we're going to face that as well, but we don't need to be rejected because we're jerks. Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't rejected because he was a jerk. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, we need to be rejected, if anything, based on God's word, but us being kind and loving in it. 
Yeah. And it means it means being sacrificial. It's going to hurt us often. It, we're going to look dumb a lot of times probably because maybe we're not willing to put up a fight to make ourselves look better because that's not what it's about, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's hard. It, it, it's easy uh, easier when it might be a friend or somebody. But when you're talking about like your kids are living a bad lifestyle and you are trying to teach them and show them and they're saying things to you that just aren't true, you know. We have that sometimes, I think, even as pastors. You know, you'll hear something like, our church never taught that ever. And it's like, <laughs> you could fight that and maybe pull up a sermon and say, look it, right here. I said that uh, here. Sure. No, it's like, okay. Yeah. Because in the end, what we remember is what we, what we saw Jonah say, what we've been talking about. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I can't change somebody's mind. I can't fight. I can show them the truth, and it, but it needs to be scriptural truth. Yeah. Really honest truth, not my opinion. Look at what it says. Yeah. And they have to act how they're going to act from that. I trust the Lord with their response. And that, again, is a difficult thing to say. And I say specifically as a parent because we love our kids and we want them to know the Lord and trust in the Lord and live their their life for the Lord. But that belongs to the Lord. Yeah. I think a continuation of that or a, a different side of that is making sure that what we believe and what we teach can actually be shown from Scripture. I think that means that we need to avoid what the Pharisees did by adding to what God's Word says. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a lot easier for you to have that effect on people Mm -hmm. if you are adding things to the behavior, whether that be what they're allowed to to drink or eat, whether what they're allowed to read or watch— the clothes that they have to wear, Mm -hmm. the haircut that they have to have, I mean, all kinds of things. Are you adding things to what God's Word actually commands you to do? And if you do that, if you heap up all of these extra rules, well, then you are, that is legalism. And it's hard because the Bible also tells us that we've been given common sense, we've been given a conscience and stuff. And Mm -hmm. so there's things that, uh, there's probably parameters that I need to set up in my life that maybe you don't. And I do, and you might say, Tim, you're just being legalistic. And my response would be, I'm not being legalistic. I don't think this is what saves me. This has just helped protect me from going down a bad road. I know that I can't go do that. And so I set up these parameters. And then so then maybe what parents do is they set these parameters for their kids as well. But maybe we're not um, relaying it good enough to teach our kids. This isn't necessarily what the Bible says, like scripturally, but this is stuff we set up to protect us. So... You know, like something as easy as, I don't know, secularly our movie systems are rated G, PG, PG-13, and R. Mm-hmm. And you'll go into some households and they're like, we don't watch anything unless it's G or PG. Okay? Well, some kids would say, could say, I grew up in a legalistic household. My parents only let me watch G and PG movies and this is stupid. You know, and nobody else see and they think this is what saves them. But that's not necessarily what the parents think. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think this saves you. I just sure. think this protects you. Yeah. Like, is there a PG-13 movie that's probably fine? Probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, but why risk it? Like, mm-hmm. there's no need to, you know. And so there's that, too, that we do have to think about and know and not just throw legalism on somebody mm-hmm. because they set those parameters up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also, like you're saying, have to be cautious of when that goes way too far. Yeah. Right. And the way that I think you can know that is, do you start requiring other Christian families to have that same standard for their kids? Right. Right. That's. Or you require that just for other Christians in general. You know, you go out with some friends and 
whatever it is, and they're doing something, and you're like, I don't know if they're a Christian anymore. Sure. They yeah. said this word. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those issues of conscience, I mean, Scripture speaks very clearly of this, is that issues of conscience are of a personal nature, I think. We're supposed to give deference and preference to our brothers and sisters for their sakes. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you're elevating those issues above. Um, so one right now, to make it very obvious, is politics. Yeah. That is becoming a legalistic thing where I took my shoes off. I smell something. <laughs> where yeah. we we judge other Christians. He's over here covering up with a tablecloth. Are you taking cool? your shoes off? You need to. Dude. <laughs> just wear socks. <laughs> your feet got sweaty. Yeah, just yeah they were hot. <laughs> what was I saying? You're talking about I had politics. a good point that probably was going to revolutionize. <laughs> talking about it was going to revolutionize this. But you ruined it by taking your shoes yeah, off. You're, you're talking, talking about politics. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one right now that we are doing. So like, when I was younger, I would hear about cards and dancing and drinking and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That stuff's kind of faded for the most part, mm-hmm. most of those things in my life, uh, people I'm around. But now it's politics. Yeah. Or now it's a vaccine. If you took this, you're sure. probably not a Christian. Sure. Or if you did, blah blah blah. Like you hear this stuff back and forth, and it's like, man, we got to be really careful because we're being very legalistic here on things. Uh, and so I think that's the one of the day, personally. Yeah, is the political realm yeah, for sure where we are judging people in their faith in the Lord based on that, yeah. on those, on those things, and mm-hmm. we're becoming like society. And we're letting them determine how we act and how we respond. And we have to be, we all as individual Christians have to be very careful mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Uh, to be judging our brothers and sisters in that way. I mean, we were talking about it this morning. And I, I'm not even, not even in the pews, but like in our own denomination, we have groups. And you have somebody come out and say something about race. Like they, they could just mention something about the problem of racism. And we'll have people in our denomination instantly call that person liberal. Yeah. Regardless of their history of being orthodox, faithful Christian, but you now said something about race, you're obviously woke, and you obviously are a liberal person. I don't even know if you're a Christian anymore. Just because they said something about racism. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're in a really bad place. We are the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. We are just like, we are becoming just like the Pharisees. And we got to be careful. Yeah. And you see why then people want to run to this because they're like, I desire gracious behavior. Yeah. I don't see it in the church. Yeah. Maybe I can find it somewhere where people just don't care what anybody does. Yeah. And we can all just do whatever. And that's where gracious behavior comes in because even even people who would, I guess you could call it like sound the alarm bells, mm-hmm. even if it's right to sound the alarm sure. bell, if you're in the same way that we as pastors, <clears throat> when we teach and we encourage people to repent of their sin, we do it in a way to where as best as possible on our part, right? God is the one that works on the heart, but we still try to teach it in a way that it will be received well, mm-hmm. and it is done in a gracious way. And when that's not done, uh, that's when you you do look a lot more like a Pharisee, mm-hmm. right? But we still, at the end of the day, we have to say the hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't change if somebody doesn't receive that well because of their hardness of heart, mm-hmm. But many times the reason that people are led to this is not because is because somebody took that to the extreme and just said, well, if they didn't receive it well, it's because they're hardness of heart. Well, it might be because you were a jerk yeah. too, right? And it's just a, it's a balance. Yeah. There's not really a right answer 
Um, but I just think it's an important conversation. Mm -hmm. And we see how gracious Jesus was. I mean, Jesus was very gracious to sinners, like we mentioned, you know, with the woman. He kneeled down and write. We don't know what he wrote, but he really, he saved her life, but then also saved her life by forgiving her of her sins. But Jesus was constantly gracious to the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. He kept answering their questions. <laughs> he, kept, he, he kept having dinner with them. Like if they invited him somewhere, he went, you know, I mean, and so we see this grace that he was given to the worst of sinners and to the most legalistic religious person. He continued to entertain both and really to love both in a way where he was kind to them. He was, he was really telling the Pharisees the truth to help them. And he was then telling the sinner down there the truth to help them. It's just what we see in scripture, sadly, is the sinner seems to be the one who often responded well to Christ well, and the Pharisees. Well, also, Jesus' reaction to those groups were also different mm -hmm. in the sense in which we talk about law and gospel again. Yeah. The people that came to him that he was really gracious to oftentimes were the people that needed the gospel. Yeah. They knew they were sinners. Right, right. And with the Pharisees, though, he presses them with the law yeah. to get them to the point to show them they need grace. <laughs> and I think that's, he's doing He's acting rightly in both instances, but, and that's with, I think, people, it depends on if people are uh, in progressive Christianity, how far uh, down the road they are. Yeah. But if they're, if they're very legalistic about progressive Christianity, probably one of the, I mean, of course, praying for them and, um, right. mm -hmm. and uh, those kinds of things, but also just, um, Doing like Christ did and asking them questions about how well they're keeping their own law mm -hmm. because they're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Even their own laws, they make up. They're mm -hmm. not going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what Paul does in Romans. That's what Jesus mm -hmm. did with the rich young ruler. And uh, knock yourself out with the law. You think you can do it, <laughs> go for it. I know you can't. And then... Mm -hmm. Christ is here to forgive us whenever you're ready to receive it. But um, I think that's really where also then um, uh, also one of the reasons maybe why we become uh, mean-spirited too is because we put too much focus on ourselves in sharing the gospel. It's not really my job in the sense in which my job to save you. All I'm supposed to do is speak the word of God. Mm -hmm. It's God's word that, with Jonah, it's God's word that does the work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And God does that through, he just uses me to do it. So it's take the responsibility and the, the idea that this is all your job. Your job is just simply to share the word, to mm -hmm. speak God's word to them yeah. and let God deal with it the rest of the way because he's more concerned about them anyway. And he's the one who can actually save them. But if we start putting too much effort or right. too much responsibility on ourselves, we're going to get stressed out and angry. Well, why don't you listen to me? <laughs> well, really the reason is, is because they're rejecting God, not you. Mm -hmm. right. And so we want to pray for them, love them, bring the word of God to them mm -hmm. um, as we can. And it seems foolish, right? I mean, yeah. it, it seems, I know to me, I know this truth that you just said, but you know, if you have a progressive Christian come and start attacking you, the last thing it, I feel like I would want to do is just start quoting some scripture to them in a loving way because I'm going to be like, they're not going to listen to this. Right. They're not going to pay attention to this. But really, that's what I need to do is just stick to God's word mm -hmm. and say, listen, this is what God's yeah. word says. It's, mm -hmm. It says that this way of living is wrong mm -hmm. and this is how. Yeah. You know, this is where. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And this is how much God loves you. You know, I know you're running from him, but look at what it says. He loves mm -hmm. you and look at how he pursues people, sinners. He, this is you. He's pursuing, you know, to share with them that way. And that's 
like Spencer just said, that's what God uses is his word. It's foolishness to the world, but it's actually what gives life to the world. And, and as Christians, it, like, I'm glad you said that. That's what we have to stick to mm-hmm. is, is the word of God, no matter how foolish it feels, mm-hmm. that's what he uses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Press those two questions. What is the law and who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. Are you keeping <clears throat> the law? And who is Jesus again? Like, yeah. keep those the law and the gospel. It's amazing, but that that really summarizes everything. Mm-hmm. A good example that I think of 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 a person, or at least a story of a person who has done a good job of sticking with the Word of God, but done it in a in a way that is softens the blow of it. Is um, you know we've we've heard of Rosaria Butterfield of like her conversion story involved a pastor mm-hmm. that uh, in a Presbyterian denomination that she began to interact with. And at the time, she was what, like a, a lesbian professor. feminist professor mm-hmm. um, at some university. And I remember part of her testimony is that she was blown away at how welcoming these people were to her. They were firm on what they believed, but they still right. welcomed her into their home mm-hmm. on a regular basis to talk about things and and uh, and so that's a good uh, just example uh, right. recently that I've seen of mm. honestly someone who is coming in very heated, very antagonistic, but where Christians where we are required to have right behavior or gracious behavior is it's probably going to include getting yelled at a little bit, being disliked a little bit, mm. but being and a- I would guess for every Rosario Butterfield testimony that that uh. Christian family who took her in probably has stories of where that didn't work. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't, you know, all of a sudden sure. there wasn't this turn of leap. And yeah. probably where there was some pain and some hurt. Well, that's exactly what I was about yeah. to say yeah. is that in order for Christians to actually show gracious behavior, we need to be willing and ready to be wronged. Mm. Like that's just going to be part of it. I mean, that's because that's what Jesus did. He came, yeah. <laughs> bore the flesh, and was completely wronged. He mm-hmm. did no wrong, but yet they mm-hmm. took him to the cross and killed him and crucified him. And, and why would we expect anything else? Why do we expect anything better? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and yeah, it's just part of it. But yet, I think the struggle with American Christians, at least, or maybe Western Christians, is we're just very used to comfort and. Mm. We like our comfort, we and we start to say our comfort is a God-given right, mm-hmm. and that's not really the case. And and like for families, you have to realize sometimes you're going to let people in, and it's going to hurt you, and it's going to hurt your kids. Like they're going to see it, they're mm-hmm. going to be a part of it, and that's okay. I mean, that's part of what we do. Hopefully, you can t- teach your kids. Like, yeah, we were just hurt, mm-hmm. and this stinks. But we're honoring God in this. Like we're being faithful to God's word and what He called us to, and we still love that person. We still care for that person. Um, but this is this is part of it, you know. I mean, I guess our story personally would be with the foster care thing. We went into that, and the perfect realm would have the perfect world would have been: you get a kid, you adopt that kid. They're now part of your life. But that's not how it goes, you know. Like I don't know, three or four children have left our home, and it. It's really hard on our kids when that happens, especially the last one that we had. We had for so long from a baby, and you raise this child up, you know, and love on that child, and your kids love on that child, and then all of a sudden the next day, they're gone, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not how you thought it would go, 
and it wasn't that anyone was attacking us or anything. I'm not saying that. It didn't get took out because, oh, you're a Christian. Or not. You can't have this kid. It wasn't that at all. It's just the system is how it works. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult. Yeah. You know, very, very difficult. And it's okay to experience that. It's okay to have your kids experience that because as you remain faithful to the things that God calls you to, that's life. That's yeah. just, it's just part of it, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. That's right. <clears throat> okay. Well, thanks, Scott, for walking us through this. You've been very gracious <laughs> in how you and how you've handled this. <laughs> no. It's been good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not saying anything. Be gracious and hold my tongue. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We hope it's been beneficial to you. Um, if you ever have any questions, I was just talking to someone yesterday, and they mentioned about, you know, if they ever had questions about things that they would like to be talked about on, um, you know, the podcast. And, and I'm, we were talking about how we could maybe do it, like, you know, the podcast or the sermon videos or whatever. Um, if you ever have any questions that you'd like to have discussed or you're curious about answers, uh, always uh, contact uh, any of us and we'd be happy to to uh, see how we could make that work and answer any questions you may have about this series or anything else you're studying in the Bible or Sunday school or the sermon series um, uh, whatever so um, yeah we thank you for listening uh, and take care and God bless